Hey there, and welcome to Beer Branding Trends, conversations on building stronger craft beverage brands. Kodo Design has spent more than a decade working with craft food and beverage artisans, helping them to brand or rebrand, reposition, and reimagine what a compelling F&B brand can be. This show captures all of our field work and experience into practical strategies, tips, and tactics to help you build a stronger brand and sell more beer. I'm Isaac Arthur. And I'm Cody Fay. And this is the Beer Branding Trends Podcast. Hey, Cody, what's up? Not a whole lot, Isaac. How are you doing today? Cody, I'm great. Cody, are you a big New Year's resolution guy? Oh, yeah. Every year, uh, <laughs> I'm going to lose 25 pounds. I'm going to stop eating pork. greasy <laughs> greasy pork. Uh, uh, yeah. You, oh, yeah. You are. I mean, I'm really surprised to hear that because you're already shredded. I mean, what's the point of setting goals like that? Are you, are you going to go from like 8% to 5% body fat? I just, I mean, what's the, what are we doing here? You do bring up a good point. I am fully yoked as it is. <laughs> yoked and torqued. <laughs> torqued and yoked, trembling. <laughs> it's really, it's really distracting. How, how about you? I know we have a thorough year in review and goal setting process here at Kodo, but how about you personally? Yeah, I, I, I stopped making resolutions a while back, you know, because uh, you get to the habit of putting the change off to the new year. So if I figure something horrendous that I'm doing to myself or my family, (laughs) figure that out in September, I just start changing it then. But I don't know. I do have annual goals like anyone else, but that's not really what we're here to talk about because that would be boring. So today we were going to initially sit down and record an episode on how we conduct, like you mentioned, our annual business review. And, uh, you know, how do we look at our goals for the year, our rocks? Do we achieve them? That sort of thing why or why not? What can we do better next year? How can we improve our, improve our processes? Are we in line with our mission? Typical stuff. I don't think that's very compelling for our listeners. Yeah. I don't know if like a brewery or a beverage producer would find that particularly valuable. It would probably just seem like us navel gazing a little bit. So instead of that, you put out a newsletter on a handful of items that you think more breweries should do upcoming in 2024 to set themselves up for a stronger year. Mm -hmm. Is that the case? Yeah, it is. And and we're going to, we're going to pull from that unabashedly today. So we've got, uh, that's our outline. I've actually got it pulled up here very lazily. We've got five or six points here that I think more breweries and BevOut companies should be doing in the new year. These aren't resolutions necessarily. Some of these are obvious, but they're all things that we are seeing uh, our clients do really well right now throughout 2023. I don't want to date this, but throughout 23, headed into 24, I think a lot of this stuff is going to be just as applicable next year, next year, next year. So this is stuff that our, uh, we think breweries should be doing to kind of future-proof themselves and set them up for you know more success in the coming year. Yeah. I've kind of skimmed through the outline and I agree with kind of what you're saying here. So maybe let's just jump in. Okay. Well, I will read these and you expand on them and we'll, we'll see how long that goes. So point one is to start gathering email addresses or specifically start building your email subscriber base, your email newsletter list. This is a good one. Although I imagine most breweries or folks listening to this podcast will already be doing this. Yeah, probably. Hopefully. In case yeah. you're not, you know. We should probably touch on why this is important before explaining some points on like how to accomplish this. So we think that over the next decade, we're going to see some pretty substantial shifts in beverage alcohol, marketing, and advertising regulations. 
Isaac, I think you've even likened this to like tobacco warnings and kind of how that changed through the 90s to now. Yeah, I don't know that I've written that, but I've definitely said it in conversation. I think that's a worst case scenario, but I I do think that we're going to see much more stout warnings on alcohol packaging within the next decade, like clear call outs that, you know, this product causes liver cancer and heart disease much more than what we have now, which is just, you know, don't drink if you're pregnant, don't drive, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And and I'm not sure if we're talking inside of a decade here, but I I think definitely within our lifetime, you're going to see these conversations happen. I I, just for the record, I I do think within the next 10, 10 or so years, I think we're going to see some major changes. Interesting. Um, Based off of of nothing. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Uh, Conjecture and hearsay. That's not true. No, No, I'm already derailing everything. Based Mm. off what we're seeing around the world, I think it's uh, it's Scotland uh, has has made uh, really onerous. I mean, what we're talking about right now, restrictions on package design and label requirements. Canada, you're seeing some guidance from the state as to I mean, it starts at a policy level, not telling people what they're allowed to do, but really uh, offering guidance as to how much they they can healthily drink. And I think that's going to trickle down. So anyway, just yeah. We're talking about email newsletters, so <laughs> we'll save that for another time. Right. Whether or not that does come to pass, there's a growing sense, especially among legal drinking age Gen Z folks, that alcohol is objectively not healthy mm-hmm. <laughs> in any qualities or any yeah. quantity, rather. So Ethanol is not healthy. That's a newsflash to me. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. You know, I think it was Ireland or Scotland that recently made that designation. You're definitely seeing that conversation and research coming out of Canada changing the recommended safe levels of alcohol, you know, how many drinks you should have a week, which is like basically none. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I guess we should probably interject like an Alex Jones, like right wing talking point about how the state can pry the scotch from your your cold, dead hands. But don't 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 do that. That's not what we're here to do. Yeah. I I mean, I I don't think any of this is going to mean you're not allowed to drink, but this is going to be harmful to the industry and to revenue, probably. Sure. Something to think about. Yeah. And more germane to the conversation here, there will likely be more stringent regulations on how and where you can market these products, particularly on social media. Yeah. Back on track. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Craft beer industry has grown you know, on the back of social media, and it's yeah. kind of been the Wild West in a lot of ways. While Instagram and TikTok are important right now, that's probably going to change over the coming years. Some new annoying thing is going to come along. So bringing it back to email marketing, your newsletter list will not be affected by shifts in social media algorithms. You know, mm-hmm. uh, if platform A suddenly decides they want to charge you for how many eyeballs are actually being exposed to your messaging and they throttle you down, well, that's not going to happen with email. It would likely be less impacted by any of the regulatory changes we're talking about, too. So we can keep babbling about this, but the major reason why we think breweries need to be building their email list right now is that it's going to be a reliable source of attention from your customers and from potential customers moving forward. Yeah. And even if all this, ne- I mean, we, we just went on a, a pretty big tangent about negative things on the horizon, but even if that stuff doesn't happen, email marketing has reemerged, uh, emerged, yeah, reemerged as a really wonderful way of nurturing real fans and driving sales anyway. So even if everything were hunky dory, I think this is a really good path for you to explore. We're seeing a lot of our clients do this and we're seeing a lot of great examples out in the wild that you with folks we don't work with, but you know, we're on tons of newsletters just to kind of see how people are storytelling and what they're doing through the marketing. So just breweries we're fans of. And I think that building your email marketing newsletter list is going to become crucial for this reason. But but it's also again just good to do regardless. In terms of email newsletters out there 
whose stuff do you follow and kind of enjoy? Who's doing a good job? Oh, put me on the spot like that. Uh, I <laughs> I like left fields. I know we talk about left field every episode. I think the the group I've been watching more than anyone would be Firestone Walker. When we talk about content marketing, and this is something that we're kind of writing about and thinking about, we're going to have some content on this in 24. I think Firestone Walker is kind of best in class right now when it comes to content marketing. They have, you know, stems from their website and blog, but I mean, they have wonderful video series, long form blogs, full feature movies that they partner with to create beautiful little videos and vignettes and their newsletters really good. It's just, it's a great way to disseminate all this stuff across all their channels in a smart way. So I, I, I watch their stuff and just enjoy it as a beer fan, let alone as a marketer. So back to building your email list specifically, let's wrap this up here. What are a few ways that people should be doing for someone that has no idea how to even start? Where do you start? How do you do this? Sure. The, the first and easiest one is just getting a form up on your website. Yeah. You know, when you think about your website as a tool that can help your business grow or, you know, do sales work for you 24 seven, you know, you're, you're really like thinking about why do we even have a website? What does it do? Gathering email addresses to build your newsletter should be a major call to action <laughs> CTA for those slick marketing folk out there. And that, that can be a, just like an interstitial pop up on your homepage. It can be just a bar in the footer or something up in the sticky header, or however you want to execute it on the website itself. Just make sure that you're giving people ample opportunity to join your newsletter when they come to your website. Yeah. And another thing that I think most people are doing these days is you can collect email addresses through your taproom POS. We've got a client Mm -hmm. that we're going to be uh, talking about more throughout 24 as our work with them starts coming online, but they've got I'll just say a lot of locations and they, they have, you know, tens of thousands of email addresses from their POS system spread across those various tap rooms. So I, I won't dive too much more into this because we're not experts on this front. But again, we do have a few clients who have gained thousands and thousands of email addresses very quickly through their POS system kind of spread out through the empire. So it's a really good way of doing that as well. Yeah, th- this would add up really quickly, I would think. Yeah. And, and and you can, I think the cool thing about that just specifically is that you can segment them. I mean, you're probably automatically segmenting them through a tag, like through the location or other demographic info. So it sets you up for success when, when you think about kind of ongoing marketing as well. Yeah. It helps you understand who's buying your stuff. Okay. Is that, that's good enough there. Our, our second point is the other side of that coin. And that is to begin emailing your newsletter subscriber list. It's that easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's just that simple. It's just that easy. Send them a weird email forward from your grandma circa 2009. (laughs) (laughs) We've worked with a few breweries over the last year that actually have had fairly substantial email subscriber lists. Yeah. You know, one of them hovering around 10,000, but they weren't doing anything with that. So they they were just silently gathering them in the background over time, (laughs) never took advantage of that list. So maybe start doing that. Just sitting on a pile of gold. We've talked about this before and we tell people, you know, 1,500, 2,500, I mean, 10,000 subscribers is nuts. Granted, you probably cut that in half, you know, when you start actually sending it and pruning it. But anyway, that is our revelatory advice for 2024 here. Start emailing your newsletter subscribers. So let's very quickly roll into the third point because point two is kind of worthless. Just telling you to email folks is kind of glib. The reason that brewery you mentioned, we're not going to name them yet, though, again, we will next year. The reason they hadn't been using their email list was that they didn't know what to send out. Uh, there were, not for them, but but for other folks, for other outfits we've seen, there could be capacity issues as well. 
you know, can you commit to an ongoing content marketing plan? Even if you're just starting out, it's really intimidating to figure out what goes out on what channel, what frequency, where, when, why, you know, what are you going to talk about? So our third point is to address that issue. And that is to, if you don't have anything in place like this, create a very rough content marketing plan. I like the caveat there to create a rough plan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I assume you mean that this doesn't have to be like a perfect thing, right? Yeah. That, thank you. Yeah, I probably should have expanded on that. Yes. If I'm talking to, we are talking to people that are starting out at zero right now and they want to begin content marketing, just get a rough plan in place and go. I, I think there are probably some folks out there listening that are going to disagree with that and and think that or, or believe or say that you need to have more structure. And, and I actually would agree with that to some degree. But again, if you're a smaller brewery, we can argue about the pros and cons of both of these approaches. Uh, but but this is this is our podcast. So I'm saying just get just get it going. Get get something in place and start going and learn as you go, refine as you go. Get it out the door now. It's more valuable to move now than it is to you know have a perfect plan here in six or nine months and then start. Yeah. And back to the idea of creating a rough content marketing plan or even just like an editorial calendar. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you talk about when through which channels? This is just an overarching structure for what you'll focus on and when you'll put it out throughout the year and which channels you'll publish this on. This newsletter outlined a few ways to go about getting a plan in place. So the nuts and bolts of gathering and organizing ideas, that kind of thing. And and I think that's a good place to start here when someone wants to do this, but has no idea what their first step would even be to begin content marketing. Yeah. And I'm looking at the newsletter now. It's kind of clunky to include this, but but we should we did. So we'll just give it as an example. The The first prompt that I would have you work through or think through as a team is if you could wave a magic wand and put three or four major points, you know, big ideas about your brewery in people's minds, what would those be? And this is this is how we help our clients frame out kind of key communication pillars, just as a preview. But three or four big ideas you can magically put in people's heads. What are those ideas? Yeah, that's great. You know, so are you the sustainability focused brewery? Are you the crazy barrel imperial stout brewery? Mm-hmm. Are you a renowned lager brewery? Are you known for any one particular beer or brand or style or approach or philosophy? Yeah. Are, are you a neighborhood joint? Like, do you just mm-hmm. own this block? I mean, it doesn't have to be world, you know, a world beating thing. I mean, and, and again, we call those key communication pillars in our brand strategy work. And once you have those defined, the reason we're talking about this is that you can then begin to use those to gather ideas, to tell those stories, to support this messaging. And you can see how this starts to snowball here. I think the example we gave in the newsletter, and let me actually just find it here and read it. Say you want people to know about your barrel age program. That, that, that's one of the, the points you want to put in people's heads. So you would create some sort of central repository for gathering ideas as they come up. You know, this would be like uh, an Apple Notes or Evernote or whatever. And so just ideas come up very quickly, whether you're spitballing or you're brainstorming or literally just as you're walking your dog and you think of these. So what is the history of barrel-aged beers? Why are you passionate about this program? What is a cooperage? What's the difference between a brandy or a whiskey or a rum barrel? What is char? How is barrel-aged? Why is barrel-aged beer so expensive? How does time in the barrel affect flavor? Why does barrel-aged barley wine make me want to fight my uncle Carl? And listeners can probably come up with another 20 or so on this, just on this topic that we pulled out. Uh, as an example, that would be even better than these ideas. But the point I'm trying to make is that you can continually give yourself ammo for creating content later on so that you're not sitting down at a blank piece of paper and just, you know, frozen. 
you have hundreds and hundreds of points over time for that you can pull out and kind of write about or blog about or, or, or interview in a podcast or create a newsletter about or whatever as you kind of see fit and as it fits into your content schedule. So that works for us. Uh, it just personally, because I, I like that idea of like kind of a smorgasbord, like picking something that grabs my interest that day versus sitting down and having to write about something that maybe I'm not really excited to write about. So I don't know if that, if that helps anyone, but that, that's how, that's how <laughs> we would get started if you're starting at zero. And you've said this before, but those ideas primarily come from our project work and new business conversations and just kind of these ideas that we're immersed in day to day. Specifically for Kodo, they do, but I don't know how applicable that is. I, I think maybe the note to take from that for someone in the beer beverage industry is that just basically always write your ideas down whenever they come up to you. When you're having a conversation with a new account or with someone across the bar or with a potential new hire. I mean, you know, you're going to get ideas that come up, you know, those questions or those those things that people say are often great points for writing about or thinking about. So just write them down. That's again not revelatory, but you want to really keep that list growing so that you can then build on that and write about it later. And and just like a a point I mentioned Apple Notes earlier, Drive, Evernote, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Just make sure that you can easily access it over time. Uh, for me, I, I had to make a hard transition away from, this is going to be super boring, but I'll just say it, <laughs> hard transition away from paper and pen three or four years ago because it was just too, I, I, I was losing ideas because I wasn't putting them over into, you know, my cloud note taking service. So that, again, super boring, but just make sure there's a way that you can actually build this list and access it easily. A final point here on the editorial calendar idea is once you have all of these article ideas and you're starting to put these stories together, um, you can kind of chop them up, spread them out across whatever channels your brewery uses for marketing. Mm -hmm. So that will likely include social channels, your email marketing, maybe a podcast or YouTube or some other kind of shorter form video content, et cetera. And just kind of get that stuff out everywhere. Yeah. YouTube shorts and stuff like that. We, we've talked about Cutting, you and I have talked about cutting a dedicated episode on content marketing at some point. I don't know that we can do, I'm sure we can flesh some of these out a bit, but I don't know that we can do a much better job than that brief overview there. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. And we're not exactly experts in it either. It's definitely not our main focus. So yeah, for um, sure. what is our next point here? Okay. I think these next ones will go quickly. Our next point is a tactical one. And that is just to simply build your media library. Cody, what does that mean? A media library is a central repository for all of your brewery's marketing assets. Mm -hmm. This can be video files and, and photo files. It could be like fonts, typography, can include brand guidelines and logo files and things like that. Any kind of marketing guides or any sort of general outlines for how to approach promotion, anything like that. Is there anything to kind of add to that? No, I think that's it. Uh, maybe we can explain kind of why this is important, but it is a really short point, but there's a high upside if you do this properly. And you need to, I think the, the big point is that you need to begin gathering all your stuff in a central location because this will make ongoing marketing easier. It's something that you can just, you can start doing now and inc incrementally. It's not a major task. It's not something that you can kind of check off your list. You know, it's not like a quarterly rock or whatever. So just get started now. It's that easy. <laughs> right. So a few examples of how you can get started with this. If you're taking photos for Instagram regularly, then you can just gather those raw images at the end of each month or each fiscal quarter or whatever the period is, just so you don't lose them. And so that other people can access them in one place. 
you know, throw them in a Dropbox folder or Google Drive or some sort of brand folder, you know, wherever your team collects everything, just have that somewhere put together so that they're all in one spot. This just makes everything easier later on, uh, especially when you go to update your website or handle ongoing marketing. It's really nice to have a library of stuff to pull from so that when you're going to make a poster or a point of sale thing or update your website or do anything like that, you're not starting at zero and you have like an easy way to access all that stuff. A uh, media library gives you a base level of just material, yeah. images, brand guidelines, assets, input, yeah, stuff you can pull from, you know, whatever you're making at that time. It just organizes everything. It makes your job easier. And it makes your team kind of work together more effectively as you guys are running and gunning. Yeah, we have two website builds. I'm thinking of kind of larger builds this year. And one of the team had a one was outside of the brewing industry, not that this matters, but one had a really dense library like we're talking about. And the other had nothing. And it's just uh, the team with nothing. The I mean, there's like an extra, you know, six or seven weeks in the process to create and gather and build all the assets to go across. So it's it's I mean, even at that point, like it's a night and day thing, night and day difference between there. So anyway, build your media library. Our next point is extraordinarily important. We ran into this just last week on a project, and that is to practice some good intellectual property hygiene. Uh, Cody, I'm not sure if that's a technical term, but I like it. I f- it feels right. So I'm going to use it. No, I I like it. It's accurate. And yeah, uh, this is pretty important, isn't it? We were rebranding a brewery last summer when they found out they couldn't use their name after seven or eight years in business. We found we found that out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For like, hey, uh, by the way, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, we discovered this just kind of on accident, accident during our kickoff interviews. Whoops. Sorry. Hey, uh, so are you, is that federally trademarked? No. Okay. Cause a quick Google search pulls up literally another brewery with that. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> this is a, this relatively straightforward project that, that we're talking about right now, very, very vaguely became much more involved for their business uh, versus, you know, it was a fairly straightforward. We're, we're going to, it wasn't even a rebrand. It's like a refresh and then revamp their packaging. That doesn't matter. The point here for you, the listener, is to take stock of your intellectual property uh, for breweries, uh, you know, different sizes, different ages, different markets and regions and, and different products. This is going to look different, you know, depending on your business and how you're kind of modeled. But at a minimum, I think you need to be working with your IP attorney to make sure you have these answered. Have you trademarked your corporate name? Have you trademarked your flagship line of fanciful beer names? If you have fanciful names, have you trademarked any sub-brand names? If they're important to you, you know, maybe a festival name or a venue name, have you federally trademarked these things in case you ever want to cross state lines? I'll stop because we're, you know, obviously not lawyers, we're idiots, but but this is so damn important. And we're still seeing, I mean, we were kind of joking there a moment ago. We still see this constantly we're we've been working in the industry 14 or 15 years now and this hasn't gotten any better like we still work with very squared away outfits that still run into this so it's just it's i won't say it's mind-boggling but you need to take it seriously Uh, that's that's the point yeah and listeners let us know (laughs) if you need a great attorney referral particularly for ip in the beer and beverage space we work with one of the best and we would be happy to pass this information along yeah Yep. Reach out to us at hello at cododesign.com for that. All right. Where are we? Our next point here is <laughs> my brain stopped working. Our next point is to take your brand and brand architecture seriously. Nice. Yeah, I know. I know. 
I think our joke, let me read it. It's like asking your barber if you need a haircut. I know, I know we're the branding firm telling you to take this seriously, but we're not telling you to rebrand. We're not telling you to make any specific changes other than to take stock of where your brand currently sits and to see if this is in line with your business as it stands today and where you want to take it. So just pause and reflect. Yeah. We're seeing a lot more complex brand strategy and architecture issues just kind of in general mm-hmm. in our work right now. Yeah. We're still helping folks with straightforward rebrands or package refreshes, but we're also helping breweries on spool issues that, you know, in some cases have been building for 20 or 30 plus years. Mm-hmm. So our point here is that if you have over the last few years opened a new location, purchased another brewery or beverage brand and brought that into the portfolio, if you've built a sub brand, if you've launched a Beyond Beer product, if you've rationalized or reorganized or restructured your portfolio at all, if you've experienced a change in leadership or ownership, or maybe even if you've just signed with a new distributor, you have a new distributor relationship on the books, and you haven't paused to think about how these changes impact your brewery's brand and positioning, you may want to consider doing so. Yeah. Does your current portfolio align with your brand story and positioning? Do you know your your brewery's brand story? Does your messaging support these things? Do you have a clear idea of what you stand for, what your values are, your marching orders? And we want you to take this seriously in 2024 and beyond. Think about where your business is today. We've had so much change. I mean, since 20, it's just a, the, the, the hits keep coming. And so make sure that where you are today is pointed in the right direction to where you want to take this business over the coming years. So I think that's good enough there. Our final point seems like a throwaway, but it's not. What is that, Cody? Yeah, uh, it is to take care of yourself. That's a touchy-feely. Yeah. Hashtag self-care. Self-care. The last few years have been rough. My self-care is, what would, I don't even know what my self-care would be. I can't feel anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say watch The Sopranos, but I don't have yeah. time to watch TV anymore. Just <laughs> rewatch the entirety. Okay. Draft is still in decline, as is the entire beer category. The economy is shit, and we're headed into an election cycle here in the States. So that's going to be super great. So a lot of negative vibes are going to be coming our way. So just take care of yourself. Things can only go up in 24. Mm. <laughs> 14 minutes of silence <laughs> famous last words okay uh-huh. yeah I, I don't know I, I, I'm not going to be as bold or so bold to tell you to stop drinking or how much beer to drink or how often to work out or you know how much screen time like whatever we're all adults here but just take time away from your business to recharge whatever that means to fill your cup take this seriously hashtag self care in 2024 Sounds kind of cheesy, but it's a good reminder and it's easy to forget. Yeah. You got to work with a lot of hardworking folks and sometimes they just go on autopilot. You got to, you got to, you know, look out for number one every once in a while. That's yeah. right. Anyway, happy new year, Isaac, and to our listeners. Oh yeah. Happy new year, Cody. Thank you to all of you listening. We appreciate it. Feel free to leave us a glowing review on whatever app you're listening to and, uh, I guess we're going to take a few weeks off, aren't we? So we'll catch back up with you here in the new year. Thanks for listening to Beer Branding Trends. If you like what we're doing here, if you find this valuable, please rate and review us over on iTunes. And head over to BeerBrandingTrends.com to join more than 5,000 subscribers who receive our monthly email newsletter covering strategy, currents, and actionable advice from Kodo Design, a branding firm on the front lines of beer and beverage branding. Take care. We'll catch back up with you soon. Thanks.